Welcome to The Map of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. It's the second week of our summer hiatus, and once again I'm bringing you some bonus content from one of my favorite guests. We're going back to November of 2017, when I spoke to comic book writer, critic, and podcaster Juliet Kahn. Along the way, we discuss realizing that the coffee monkey is on your back, the secret Chicago tamale squad, and the best goddamn cannoli in Boston. I'd also thought I'd throw in some things that I've been enjoying lately, and a lot of my enjoyment has had a decidedly retro vibe as of late. I had started looking on Wikipedia to clarify if a scene that I was remembering in my head was actually from the Stephen King book Salem's Lot, or whether it was from some other vampire book. Wikipedia, of course, led me to TV tropes, and it was mentioned that there was a short story called One for the Road, which was sort of a pseudo-sequel to Salem's Lot. And so I went on Amazon, and for like nine bucks, I bought the Kindle version of Night Shift, which I had never read during my Stephen King phase of my late teens. And I'll tell you what, listeners, there is a really special, like a feral little joy that you get from reading a scary book before bedtime. And I powered through that book in, what, three days? Like reading before bed and a little bit on the train on the way to work. It's kind of fun to get back into an old school page turner. I mean, it's still Stephen King. He still has the Stephen King problems. You know what they are. But it was a nice little throwback experience, and I wanted to share it with you. I'll try to include one of these every week that I'm doing the summer hiatus. We join this conversation already in progress. while I worked at offices that didn't have coffee machines, which is an abomination unto Nugget. And so I would bring in my little Vario pour-over thing, which is a little cup that sits on top of the cup, and you put the filter in the ground in and just kind of pour the coffee through, which is great for, like, travel or offices that have coffee machines, until you realize the first time you're doing it, you look around and, like, everyone in the kitchen is staring at you. Oh, God. Like, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? And I'm like, what? I'm making coffee. What are you doing? Like, but you're using a pepper. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a coffee grinder. It's what we use. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I have work to do. Bye. <laughs> I'm still sort of getting used to realizing that I'm a person who drinks coffee now. And like, oh yeah, it's weird because in my house, neither of my parents drink coffee or even tea. It's just other things. My grandmother, who lived with us, absolutely did. It's weird that my mother's side is Cuban, and like, coffee is a huge deal in Cuban culture and in Cuba. And like, mm-hmm. my mom just she never liked the idea of being dependent on anything, and like, didn't like the taste. It just it just didn't happen. So I didn't even like in, in college very much, but like in the last few years, I have started drinking especially because I had a job where I had to get up very early a while back. And I just kind of, you know, got in the habit. And now like when I stay with my family, I realize that I'm now a person who's in that routine and I'll yep, have to yep. be like, mom, I, I need to step up or like, can you drive me somewhere? And she's like, where? I'm like, I have to eat coffee. And she's like, you have to? Is that how it is? I'm like, yeah, mom, that's, that's how it is. I'm an addict now. I'm sorry. And you know, and she'll, she'll do it and she'll be like, wow. I was totally right to not drink this. You're completely addicted. I'm like, yeah, mom, thanks. Thanks for the reminder. This is me now. Yeah, mom, the monkey's on my back, ma. Give me a minute. (laughs) 
I've been like slowly switching to black tea because I have a bad stomach and the acid mm. in the coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, people, no good for that. It's it's rough, but even then, like it's not all the time. Like I work at a comic shop near me, and it's right next to a cafe, so a it's lot a of the thing. time, like a lot of the time, I'm like, oh, I have to like open the shop. I'm tired. I've overslept. I could make some tea for myself, or I could just get a latte. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, I just completely proved my parents right about not ever drinking coffee every time I go home. <laughs> See, whereas my dad was a lifelong Pepsi drinker instead of coffee, and but my mom would live on her kind of awful $12 percolator from Kmart jug of coffee that she would like nurse throughout the day like a baby bird. <laughs> oh yeah. And so yeah, for the longest time I didn't touch coffee either because the one time I tried it, it was horrible. So, and I think it was... It's like, no, it was, oh, actually, no, I can trace it right back to the, my attempting a lot of things that I used to not like, which is when I moved to Australia, which is where, <laughs> because I turned up here, and things, Australia has actually has a really good coffee culture, too. We had a ton of a wave of Italian and Greek migrants who set up proper coffee shops. Oh, wow. Very early in the 20th century. And so it's just established that you have good coffee. And, like, Starbucks tried to come and took two tries to get a foothold because no one wanted it. Oh, wow. They tried and went out of business. And so what would end up happening is that I arrived in Australia and I was living with my ex at the time. And I said, take a sip of coffee. Uh, <laughs> what happened is that what happened with a lot of things I didn't like, which is where I was put in a new situation surrounded by strangers and people I didn't want to look silly in front of. So I just kind of accepted whatever I was given and didn't make a thing about how I didn't like coffee. And then it turned out after a little while, hey, it turns out I should you know, all these things, you know? Oh, yeah. I like onions. I, I, I can eat red peppers now. Yeah, oh, spicy food, not that scary. Cool, 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 cool. And, uh, oh, hey, I guess I drink coffee now. I think, honestly, as I grow older, I've been shocked with every year that passes how much of adulthood is just that. Yep. You know, as a kid, you're like, how am I ever going to get used to, like, X? You know, how am I ever going to like Y? And then you grow up and you're like, oh, it's peer pressure. That just doesn't stop being a thing. <laughs> God, like, I still remember there was this place I went to school at in Western Massachusetts, and it's in this area where there's a whole bunch of colleges concentrated, so there's all these very weird little, like, niche delivery food services. And there was mm -hmm. this one that was very popular on my campus that was just as twee and bourgeois as it sounds. That was a delivery <laughs> panini place, but they had okay. the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. But it was this big thing. It actually ended up closing down halfway through my time there. But my first year was this big thing, you know, like, people would initiate you and in ordering from Andiamo, which is what it was called. And that's how I ended up trying tomatoes, because there was like, there was nothing that sounded quite right. I didn't want to experiment too hard, and they had one that was basically like a caprese salad kind of mixture, and I was like, nice. yeah, I'll go with that, and I tried it, and I was like, that's now like my favorite flavor combination. But before that, I hated raw tomatoes, and I didn't eat them in anything, and I just, I didn't trust them. And now, like, that's just one of my favorite things to eat. And... That was the first moment I think I remember having an inkling at 18 of like, oh, this is how you become an adult. You, you don't <laughs> want to be embarrassed in front of people. Okay. Yeah. And then you do the thing and then you get to be one of those adults that tells people, oh, you know, it's not that bad. It's okay. <laughs> you could just try it. And then they'll go, no, no, don't want to try it. You mentioned the delivery food services and there is one in Australia, which is entirely people on bicycles that is called Deliveroo, which oh evokes God. kangaroos carrying like lo mein in their pouch. But I was told when I was visiting Chicago by one Molly J. Kramer, who will eventually be on the show, that in Chicago there are men who walk around the bars with, like, coolers full of tamales Whoa. that they will sell to you. And I found this out because, again, the most MJ thing ever, we were at a store looking at enamel pins and... <laughs> We were looking around and she's like, oh my god, there's a tamale box pin. Which is that there is a, a little enamel pin of a cooler with a tamale sticking out of it. 
And she's like, this is the most Chicago thing ever. I have to buy it. And now I know. And knowing it's half the battle. Wow, I never heard of that. That's so cool. And I mean, given Chicago, I definitely can't pretend that I didn't think that was going to be this place. That was, uh, <laughs> that was exactly the cliche I was expecting. Guy just pulling an entire pizza casserole out of the cooler. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, we did the deep dish thing when we were there. Luckily, we did it. We ordered it to our Airbnb because I didn't want to have to eat it in front of people <laughs> and do murder upon this pizza. And so we ordered it, and my partner was like, oh, you know, it's just one pizza. You know, we, could, we should probably order, like, some pasta or a salad to go along with it. So we did. We ordered, like, a, like you said, like a crazy salad and, like a, like, a pasta with carbonara or something. And we ordered it, and it arrived, and we each had one slice of the pizza, and we're like, we've made a huge mistake. There's no way we can finish all this food. <laughs> We got a medium. It was a medium. <laughs> I have never tried deep dish, but I suspect that I will like it because I like pizza and I like mm. like baked pastas. And this is a never-ending point of contention between me and my fiance, who really likes like a thin crust pizza. And yeah. I'll say like, I don't know. I think I'm gonna like it. I think I'm, I think you're being too hard. And he'll be like, if I wanted soup, I would just I would just order soup. Like, I just, but I like bread soups even. Like I <laughs> I enjoy bread in weird places. I enjoy tomatoes in weird places. I like weird baked Italian things. I'm very under fire in my house for my theoretical devotion to Egypt pizza. But one day. You're right. It is more like a baked pasta. It's not like a soup. Your fiance is wrong. I just, I feel like you need to accept it for what it is. It's not like the pizza you're imagining, but that's fine. It doesn't have to be. And thing is, I like different types of pizza for different types of toppings. So it's like, you just want, like, the one we got in Chicago was just like cheese, pepperoni, and like peppers, and then like sausage. And they put the sausage in the lower part of the crust with the cheese. So... It was like extra juicy and amazing. So yeah, it was almost like eating a lasagna that was also a pizza. Because let's face it, there are lasagnas out there that are basically pizzas. True. But then, yeah, you, for your thin crust and stuff, you know, I'll go for different toppings for that. So uh, you're right, I consider them entirely different classes. Like there is a place called Alberto's, which is by an old apartment in Newtown where I used to live. The majority of their pizzas sucked, and I appreciated this. Every once in a while, I would like step out of my comfort zone and be like, oh, I'll try this one. No, they all sucked, except for their chicken pizzas. For some reason, their chicken pizzas were like the greatest like platonic ideal pizzas that you'll ever have there was like a satay chicken one that had like snow peas and baby corn on it and like a peanut sauce and then there was a madras chicken one which had like you know pickled cucumber and like yogurt mixed in with the cheese and it was like the gooeyest runniest pizza ever and then they had one that was just like i used to call it the heart stopper because it was was basically it was just chicken and bacon and like artichoke hearts and like little bits of feta hit underneath and just you get it and it's just like like it's like ninja turtle pizza like you pick it up and like the cheese starts running off at halfway to your mouth and it's like i'm i'm yeah i'm drooling just talking about it now but the thing is yeah it's like know what you're good at those three pizzas were the only things i would ever order from alberto's everything else was just like your basic kind of like mall pizza but that was the good stuff see now now i'm hungry and i literally just ate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Things I've, I've learned this is like because normally when I record in the mornings I record with just like a cup of coffee and I have breakfast afterwards I've learned that, that to my detriment if you put me with no breakfast in front of a microphone I'm just going to end up talking about food <laughs> I had Melissa Bright on and, we, and it was her return episode so it was pretty free form and yeah we just talked about food for like an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah admittedly because she's from, she's from Houston and then moved to New York so she was talking about, you know, about Tex-Mex and about where to find Taroshki and like, all these things about New York. And I'm just like, yes, tell me about all this food. And I'm going to go and like make and then destroy an omelet. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm considering that myself now. <laughs> the food in Boston is kind of weird because my dad's side of the family is, I grew up in Virginia, but my dad's side of the family is from around here. And I didn't really grow up with any of the New England food, in large part because most of it is seafood and my mom did most of the cooking in my household, just does not really like seafood. And seafood it, and coffee are in a big no column for your mom. Yeah, pretty much. Although she does like shrimp, she'll make an allowance for shrimp. So I moved up here and I'm like, oh, okay, I should, you know, actually like engage with what New England is famous for. And my aunt and uncle used to live up here, and my dad in particular, like, they're they're from the North Shore of Boston, which has, like, this big, big seafood culture and this big, like, beachette culture in particular, and, like, they have all these opinions on, like, oh, well, this is where you get, like, the best fried clams, and this is where you get the this, best this and that. But none of them can actually go with me anymore to try it out, because they all ate too many fried clams and gave themselves ulcers. Like, <laughs> my, like my grandfather... I thought you were gonna say, they all went and started fights, and now they're banned from the fried clam face. <laughs> Yeah, but like my, my grandfather, for example, is uh, is in his 70s and he has diverticulitis and I'll be like, he'll rhapsodize about them and I'll be like, oh yeah, but I can't eat them anymore. And always he'll come up here and he'll like test it and then in, like an hour later he'll be in misery and be like, yeah, you have diverticulitis, you can't eat this anymore. <laughs> At one point I just have to do it myself. Like I, I still have yet to have a lobster roll, which is ridiculous, but I just, I just haven't. You know, and Ian, my fiance, like, not a huge seafood person himself, like, is kind of viscerally disgusted by the idea of clam chowder. I'm just gonna have to do it on my own. And I've lived here for years now, and I still haven't! But I'll get to it, you know, in time. Yeah, see, I was in Boston in November shortly after I went to Chicago, and I had no urge to try any of the seafood stuff. Because, and this is gonna sound super braggy, and I apologize, I live in Sydney, and we're on the <laughs> Pacific Ocean. <laughs> And I can walk to the fish markets. I hate to say it, because I grew up in, in New Brunswick, on the east coast of Canada. So I had lots of Atlantic fishing happening near me. But here's the thing, Pacific seafood is better. Is it really? Like you get big, sweet, juicy prawns, as opposed to little gray kind of sad prawns. And I had a friend who I used to work with at a bookstore. And she said that until she was 12, she had never eaten fish that was not caught by someone whose name she knew. Wow. Holy crap. So it's one of those things where it's like, and again, another thing I didn't really, because I liked seafood, I didn't really eat fish until I came to Sydney. And fish is great in Sydney. Because we're right on the water, it's like you can get it fresh. Like there's a million, billion sushi joints within like a stone's throw of the water because all the sushi places just go and buy it straight off the dock. Oh, that's really nice. And so it's just one of those things where, I suppose it's kind of a melting pot thing, but my friend Olivia, who is currently living in New York, but grew up in Sydney and has traveled all over, said something to the effect of that Sydney Thai food is different from Thai food anywhere else. Just kind of like, you know, how prairie Chinese food in Canada is different from Chinese food anywhere else. Yeah, there's, just a, there's actually a really good food culture around here. But when I went to Boston, I was trying all the, you know, the air quote American stuff. <laughs> and I did the travesty of ordering a Philly cheesesteak at a market from Boston Ooh. from a guy who was not from Philadelphia. Yeah, that's that's gambling. <laughs> um, and it, it was tasty. But the problem is, is that he got just so distracted talking to my partner because she has an Australian accent and he spotted her for tourists and decided to have a conversation like an NPC in a video game would have. And every time I go to interject, she's like, oh, hey, 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 I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to her. (laughs) And and it was great. And it was, again, like something out of a movie. And then the food arrived and he had gotten our orders wrong. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's awful. I apologize on behalf of my city. (laughs) Too busy being a character, pal. Oh, God. We did have fantastic cannolis. Oh, yeah. We were going up. Damn it, I forget the area. It's heading up towards Old North Church. Was it the North End? The Italian area? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was it a... Did you get them from Mike's? Yes. Yes, we did. Oh, I love Mike's. Oh, they're so good. It's one of those places where you will definitely get a certain kind of Bostonian where, like, 
Mike's recently added more than one location. That they now have one in Harvard Square, uh, which I appreciate because I live on that side of the river. And you'll get a certain kind of a studio in the cloud, like, oh, Mike's is so over. I'm like, no, they're still really good. Like, it's, it's, I'll get like, I've had a few conversations with people that are my friends and I respect them and they'll take that tack and they'll be like, no, 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 no. You know that's not true. I know that this seems like a good, like, shortcut to seeming like sophisticated and above it all, but you tell me that if somebody brought those to your office that you wouldn't eat them. Do not lie to me. They're still so good. I love those. And I've had like, you know, ones that you had to pay more money for, or like ones that sit down places. No, mice are still like up at the top. So now I want them. Damn yeah, it. we found it by accident. We, we, yeah, we were just walking up the road and spotted it and we're like, that place looks good. Let's go in there. And yeah, sat down at one of the little white tables with the paper on it. Oh, yeah. And from a, a little old lady in a paper hat who, who originally, because we had just had coffee, I was like, she's like, do you want coffee with that? I went, no, I'm good. She like, looks at me and she goes, are you sure? <laughs> and I went, yeah, sure, I'll have an espresso. She's like, good boy. And <laughs> it was like, yeah. So I had this tiny little cup of espresso that was like rocket fuel. Oh, and yeah. I think I got an almond cannoli. Yeah, Kimiko got a, a peppermint one because she loves chocolate and mint. And got about halfway through and she's like, I can't. I can't breathe. We've eaten too much today. <laughs> and I'm like, they're going to be mad. We have to. And she's like, no, I can't. <laughs> My friend Zach, Zach Clemente, also a college person, actually, he really loves bringing them to people when he's traveling because uh, a lot of his family lives in Ohio and California. He'll go and get some Mike's cannoli and, like, bring it through the, the TSA checkpoint and just, like, sit there the whole ride with a little box of cannoli on his lap and just to give it to his mom when he get up, gets off the plane, which is really terrible. <laughs> Ma, I brought you a cannoli because I'm a stereotype. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> it, hilariously. Also, if you just just look in the chat, I found I scrolled back far enough, and it's just sending a picture. Come on, send you bastard. <laughs> oh yes, that does look good. God, I love their teeny tiny little cups. Yep. Really <laughs> so you were saying. Yeah, also, I, when, I went, when I went to no, Old North Church, like, all the time I was walking around Boston, I was just making endless Fallout 4 references. Oh, yeah. Because that's how I knew the landmarks. Oh, yeah. Because I, like, I was looking around, I'm like, I know how to get here. Like, that's Old North Church. There's a death claw in the basement. <laughs> we in Boston were uh, very excited to be to be highlighted. But, of course, there was, like, endless amounts of drama everywhere about, like, well, they got this wrong, and, and this wasn't where it's supposed to be, and this was, you know, this was off. And, I mean, that was not wrong. There, you know, it, yes, there were inaccuracies. The shop I work for was not in the game, but like, I can't remember. Somebody like data mined it, and our name showed up in the game or something. Like, I can't remember. And there was a brief period of people would come in, would come in and be like, "Sub comics like in Fallout 4," and we never figured out like, because I have not actually played it yet. And we never figured out, like, why people heard of us. Because we knew we weren't, like, we weren't, like, an environment. Like, it was, you had to go searching or something. But, yeah, that's that's how it impacted my life. Oh, yeah, but I was going to say, the hilarious uh, image that I want anybody listening to have in their heads with Zach is, Zach does this specifically as a half-Italian for his Korean mother. Which <laughs> is really adorable. He's just always, you know, bringing little Italian pastry home to the not-Italian part of his Well, and to everybody, to be fair. But that's yeah. always the image I have because his mom is adorable and excitable and has intense opinions about food. It's the same with Kimiko's parents. Her mom's Australian, her dad's Japanese. But they live in Australia and they've traveled all over. They've done the cruise thing. And her dad is obsessed with Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Oh my god. To the point where when they were over in Hawaii, he bought a Margaritaville margarita maker machine. Whoa. And, and this is where it gets over into extra territory. He also bought a transformer so that he could plug it in in Australia and it's the size of a car battery oh my god and so whenever we, like because we'll go on like you know family vacations to like Nelson Bay or places like that with her sister and her sister's kids and the margarita machine comes it has its own suitcase oh uh, and so he'll 
plug in this transformer and he'll kick it on like he's kickstarting a motorcycle. And then he'll plug it in and he'll be like, Margarita Machine's going! <laughs> and so, yes, and he has a, a, a thing is, I've described him on this podcast before. He's a Japanese man with a ponytail that is now sadly going bald in the front and a pencil thin mustache like John Waters and he used to be a diplomat and now he works as a postman because he got bored in his retirement oh my god that's such a fantastic collection of treats isn't like, it and he's also a massive otaku and comics nerd so when I first went to their house he showed me his room of glass cabinets where he's got all the comic statues that you look at the comic book shop and you go who buys those he buys those <laughs> Oh, God. He sounds like a side character in a movie that I really want to watch. Oh, seriously. He, like, he would run a little shop in like a Miyazaki movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really adorable. Like, you'll be greeted, like, if it's a holiday or something and we go over to their house for dinner, you'll be greeted with a Rita at the door. <laughs> God, I love the sway that Jimmy Buffett and his whole, like, mythos holds over a certain type of person. Like, yep. I don't understand it, but I, I love watching it. <laughs> Like, just the, it's so powerful in a way that I just, I cannot completely comprehend. The only thing I could liken it to is, it's like when people have an interest in something that you have no interest in yourself, you can just be like, we can just like stand on the sidelines and marvel at it. Like, people who are super into sports, like I, the way, the example I always give is when I go to my barbershop and the old guys will talk about the rugby teams they've followed since the 1970s, how this coach in 74 ruined things for the franchise and really they've never been the same since and blah, blah, blah. And I'll just listen, I'll be like, I have no idea. These are all just names to me, but it sounds fascinating. Oh God, I definitely get a lot of it up in Boston. I was raised to root for the Boston teams, and I used to keep up on the Red Sox in a pretty major way. But compared to most people here, I have had a very similar experience most of the time. It's something that I've, I've talked about on shows that have not aired, how I would never consider myself a hockey person. When I was in Canada, I was sort of a tangential hockey person in that, oh, you know, you've got your team when you're a kid, and then when the playoffs are on, sometimes you watch it if you're like in a bar and they're on. It's like, oh, it's not cool. And if your city's in it, then it's like, oh, that's fun. But then I come to Australia where there is no hockey. Someone will ask me something if they're a fan and I'll just come out with this ream of information that I didn't know was in me. Like someone's tapped my head with a wand and pulled like a pensive memory out of me. <laughs> and they'll be like, How did, what? so you're clearly a big fan. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just Canadian. It's like <laughs> contact high. Yeah, there you go. So I, I just looked at the time and I realized we've been talking about food and stuff for like 30 minutes. So this is probably going to be a, a bonus episode afterwards. <laughs> so we should probably get started. 